This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is August the 9th, 2019. Strong hand, be a unique beast. Value your wealth in Bitcoin, unconfiscatable. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Offended by selling, don't FOMO on altcoins. Holder of last resort, world reserve cryptocurrency. Always bet on Bitcoin. I almost said always bet on black. Bitcoin is the apex predator. I had to say all those crazy sayings because this is a time to celebrate. Tone Bates has entered the building. Oh yeah, he is back on the show. It's been a little while, but the time has come. So Tone, welcome back, man. Hey Adam, no, thanks for uh, having me back on the show. Your intro hasn't changed. That's uh, pretty cool. It's been the same for years. Dude, I, I'm, I'm very focused long-term thinking uh i've got conviction and you know you haven't changed either really in what you stand for you got the hair the hair has changed <laughs> well, I, know, I, I know but i'm talking about the insides i know you got the mohawk and people bug you about the hair it's so ridiculous people know more about your hair than about how to hold a bitcoin properly i mean that's and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the social media aspects of the space but from the time I started listening to you and I met you in 2015. You've stayed, it's just been, you know, it's about Bitcoin. Keep it simple. Yet we had so much temptation over time. Well, it hasn't been tempting to me or you, but the ICO, man, is, I remember you said, Adam, you got to start going out to these events, man. All, all these people are talking about Ethereum now because you and I can remember the time when there was no Ethereum. There would just be Bitcoin of it. And then all of a sudden it switched. Remember, I mean, it was, and yeah, remember, remember how everyone was talking about the flipping, how Ethereum is going to like overtake Bitcoin, and now they're using Bitcoin Cash to scale. I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen every story, we've seen every gimmick, um, and there's so many new people that have no idea about these things. I mean, you were classic. When, remember when Ethereum Classic was born uh, back in the day? I mean, you were very outspoken then. Half, the, half these people, most of these people have no idea about the Ethereum Classic birth story and what that really means for a cryptocurrency and, you know, rolling back time and having bailouts. Most people who buy altcoins don't care about bailouts. Anymore, so, But uh, let, let's speak on, it's always good to talk about history. Uh, I'm sure long-term viewers love that. So pound that like button, everybody. But let's talk about a current event, um, China, trade war, uh, Everybody panicked at the beginning of the week. Oh, let's roll into Bitcoin. This is going to help Bitcoin. Then we had India and uh, New Zealand and what was the other country? Uh, Thailand lowering rates. Bigger, bigger question here. All these gold bugs, all these doomers have dreamed of the end of fiat, the end of the system. Is this the end of the system, Tom? Is, is the system, is the dollar dominated system, is it going away anytime soon? I really don't think so. Uh, I mean, the dollar is still doing okay. The dollar is still very strong relative to other currencies. And um, yeah, the stock market had a bad couple of days, but uh, this week has actually held up fairly well. And everyone always screams, you know, gloom and doom for the stock market. But um, I, I think the fiat system is still going to be around for a little while. It's... Uh, Gold is starting to rise. That's kind of interesting. Uh, probably has something to do with a lot of these global currencies, you know, printing more money, people slightly losing faith in uh, a lot of these fiat currencies. But um, 
it's still going to be around for a while. Remember, people don't really FOMO in until new all-time highs. Like, this is not it. I mean, gold would need to literally break the all-time high of 2000 and then at least double in price, right? So we're not going to see, uh, you know, big FOMO out of the fiat system and uh, into gold and crashing the stock market uh, until, you know, it really starts to move. And then there is another issue. Like the stock market is a different animal. And a lot of people, um, I don't know, there's like an echo. I don't know if that's on my side or your side. Uh, but um, so the stock market is a different animal. Uh, if a stock market starts to crash, then uh, people lose jobs, companies go out of business, and they don't really have money to invest in crazy things. Now, I, I've got I got a question here, though. So, does does Bitcoin care about all this? Does is this going to help Bitcoin? Do you see uh, these moves by the the major economies uh, and, and the fear that maybe this is the beginning of the end? Uh, will it help Bitcoin? But does it even does really Bitcoin even need this? Can Bitcoin be a success on its own? as a, a security uh, truth machine? Uh, it could be, but I do think this is helping uh, Bitcoin. As unfortunate as it is, like being in Hong Kong right now, Hong Kong has been a really good, like, money heaven, right? Like, they, they, they don't have crazy laws. They are pretty relaxed, like the money laundering laws. Hong Kong is like capitalistic, economic freedom area. And the entire area is under attack, and there's very few of these areas. I mean, yeah, there are these Caribbean islands, but no one actually lives there, right? Like, no one is going there to actually put up their office there. It's kind of like virtual, not real, not physical. And um, uh, so, issues like that are relevant. So, I think it's helping Bitcoin. The fact that if there is a huge economic crash, if there is a major uh, like another 2008, that's going to hurt Bitcoin. And uh, this is what's hard for people to kind of comprehend. You want these like, you don't actually want an economic panic. You want people to be scared of an economic panic, but not to actually panic. Because when Greece goes down, when Cyprus goes down, people have no access to their money. And when you have no access to their money, you have no ability to buy and speculate on Bitcoin. But if you have Bitcoin, all right, I just need there for a second. Um, but when you have Bitcoin and there is major economic panic, you have to spend that Bitcoin to kind of feed your family. So you don't want a giant economic panic. You don't want the stock market to crash like in 2008. You want people to be scared that it might crash. And that helps Bitcoin a lot. Hmm. So... Hey, hey, that makes sense there. Who would really want a major economic collapse? Uh, what do you think about the people who do dream of this? I mean, there, there are well, yeah, the boom and doomers that have to sell their newsletters that the market is going to crash, right? <laughs> you, you've been talking about them for a long time. You referred to, uh, uh, what was that word you like to use? Uh, was it like doom porn or something? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, there you go, the doom porners. The Shemitah, the people who talk about the Shemitah. That. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They, they have to come up with these, you know, gloom and doom scenarios to sell their newsletters. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of, 
you know, anyone that like sells these kinds of newsletters. Um, and that's why I always try to focus on uh, if I'm going to charge for anything, I'm going to charge for education. I'm going to charge to teach you um, how to trade yourself so you don't have to pay for any more subscriptions. Now, with the current state of Bitcoin, uh, price has gone up, obviously. So people are buying it. Who is buying it, though? Who, who is really buying and holding it? I don't think, from what I can tell, it's actually a lot of individuals going to Coinbase and buying a bunch of it and then hoarding it. Do you think there are large uh, corporate entities that are getting into it now quietly? Who are the, the new holders or who are the current buy and holders out there? I'm very skeptical on this concept that Wall Street is getting in. I'm a little skeptical on that. There's still lots of regulatory concerns. There's still lots of custody concerns. Uh, there's still fear of all the stuff getting hacked. I don't see mass entries of noobs coming in. And I think you see that, right? I mean, uh, we're not really getting all that many new followers on our YouTubes, on our uh, Twitter. I mean, you have someone like Pump that's getting like a lot of new followers, but that's because he literally just pumps Bitcoin. Just, just thought, you know, it's like, uh, it just talks positively about it. But it's not like it was in 2000, even early 2017 and uh, late 2016 when um, if you were a YouTuber in the crypto space, you're getting, you know, a thousand, uh, 5,000 new subscribers a day, basically at one point. So I don't see this mass entries of people. Now, if Bitcoin goes to new all time highs and it's all over the news wires again, maybe that can happen. So uh, the question is, where's all this buying coming from? And it looks like it's the same old money. It's just uh, people, uh, what happens in markets, whenever when markets crash, People always want to blame some big short seller, right? I mean, that's what happens in traditional markets. That's what kind of, in Bitcoin, it's a little more likely because you can smash the order book. And then when, uh, when prices go up, people are like, oh, somebody is buying. That's not always how it works. Uh, in the stock market, most of the time when markets have this ridiculous crash, it has zero to do with short selling. It just has to do with the fact that um, other traders and other investors see the stock market going down and they're just, they remove their bids, they remove their buys off the market, and they just say, I'll wait. And when there is nobody buying, it doesn't take much selling to have the price crash. It has nothing to do with short selling. Uh, again, gloom and doomers uh, blaming uh, whatever they can in order to be popular. It's the opposite on the way up. Sometimes the reason for the rise in prices is not necessarily because all these buyers are coming in. It's because people that currently hold the asset, whether it's Bitcoin or something else, are saying, well, prices are rising. I'm not really in a, I don't really have a huge need to sell. And here's one more reason for it. Like the tax authorities and uh, are really starting to crack down. At least that's the kind of fear. I mean, there was that uh, big IRS uh, horrible presentation that was leaked. I'm sure you saw that, right? Yes. And um, when something like that happens, some people are like, you know what, uh, maybe I should wait for some more clarity. Maybe I should, you know, look into other passports uh, because this is going to be interesting, right? Because uh, many people, uh, well, myself included, uh, we're looking into, you know, other passports and uh, hey, you know what, uh, let, let's see what happens there. So some people are, are probably saying to themselves, you know what? I'll wait. 
like yourself, like I'm going to have a strong hand. People are getting out of these old coins. They're getting into Bitcoin. They want to, you know, sit on Bitcoin. They, they've already, you know, held their old coin bags for like two years. They've lost a bunch of money. And now they're like, well, if I wait two more years in Bitcoin, maybe I'll make up for all those losses. So one of the reasons for the prices going up may have nothing to do with new people coming in. It may also have to do with the current people willing to wait and not selling yet. So there isn't as much selling going on. Uh, same thing with miners. A lot of miners are probably holding on to their coins a little bit longer while they're mining 12 and a half Bitcoins a block because they know that in the near future, their mining rewards are gonna get cut in half. So in order to maintain clean operations, they're selling less coins now and will probably sell more coins after the halving because they'll have to maintain their business levels. So there are all these reasons as to why the current holders aren't currently in a rush to sell. And, um, and the other potential reason is like single rich individuals. And by individuals, I mean like, like not a mass market, but let's say maybe a rich families in the Middle East are starting to get a little bit interested, you know, like, like, like these private uh, individual rich people are potentially becoming uh, a little more interested now, now that it's a little more secure and uh, now that they've been looking at it for the last five years. Now you mentioned uh, your famous miners having scenario. You have actually been talking about that scenario since before the 2016 halving. In all your videos, you can look it up, you would, you would tell people this is what is going on. The miners, of course, if I, you said, I'm a business owner, you, you save before a change like this. And they saved up their, they stopped selling as much Bitcoin before the halving. They started hoarding before the halving. And then, so they would have enough afterwards when they had less supply. So you just discussed that again. Again, you haven't changed, you know? we, we stick with our conviction here. But on, on the topic of the halving, um, there's the argument online, is it priced in, is it, is it not priced in? I say it is not priced in because this market, um, the, the entire cryptocurrency market is filled with irrational people, with people who attribute value to BSV, I mean, how can you say in such a market that the, the knowledge is out there, that there is even something called the Bitcoin having and that it's priced in? So what's your take on, is it priced in, the Bitcoin having? I mean, it's, it's always priced in a little bit, but it could always get repriced, right? Uh, we're still like nine months out. And uh, again, we can pump before the having because of the having. But if it pumps way too early, we can also have a dip going into the having. And then it depends on how big that dip is. Uh, the, the last halving, I actually predicted it almost perfectly. I anticipated the pump to start uh, about six months before the halving, and it did. And then it topped out like three weeks prior. And it already started to fall. And after the halving, it continued to fall. We kind of just saw Litecoin go through the same thing. It pumped you know, several months before the halving. And then going into the halving, it was already going down. The having came, it pumped a little bit that day, but it was already down and took away all those gains within the next day. So, and now uh, the big thing is havings help Bitcoin and havings destroy altcoins because uh, like no, no one is gonna mine your altcoin when there's no reward and no one is actually using it for transactions. So what are you gonna do? You don't have these strong hands 
holding the old coins, uh, they are going to fold. And uh, this is a big problem for old coins because old coins are already designed as inflation on top of Bitcoin in an insecure way. And uh, anyone that's an old coin holder, I mean, all they got to do is change their profile picture because they're anonymous trolls anyway and no one knows, right? They're, there's very, very few uh, people that put their name and face to being an altcoiner because they know that they will need to disappear soon and they have to be able to switch that identity. And, uh, uh, and if it's an anonymous identity, it doesn't matter. So there, there's nobody in the altcoin space that is... Uh, that committed to their old coin and the miners are the same way. Like there's no miner that's committed. Uh, like, like who is doing new research and development on old coin mining, right? So uh, like nobody, like uh, who's going to come out with a new Litecoin mining uh, ASIC? You know, who's going to do that? Who's going to put in that kind of money and do the work? Well, let, let's talk about specifically Litecoin because over the years, both of us, We've encountered people with lots of good intention that contact us and say, why don't you talk about Litecoin? It's the silver to Bitcoin's gold. It's, they say, and Charlie Lee is so nice. And again, these are good. There are actually, you know, the Ripple people, I don't even know if they exist. I, I've never met a real Ripple person in, 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 in person. Good point. Neither but, have I. Uh-huh. Neither have I. Okay. So, I mean, that, but Litecoin people definitely have met them. Definitely, they seem to have this mindset of, I, I'm, I'm from the traditional markets. I need to diversify for the sake of diversification, basically. That's their basic premise. In a not, and again, they're nice people. I, I don't, sometimes I, I feel like I'm about to explode when I get questions about Litecoin. How do you handle this? What is the future of Litecoin in a, in a nice way? I mean, what can you tell these people? What, what, what should they do with their Litecoin now? What is the future of, what do you see Litecoin becoming? And what, what, what's, what about diversification for the sake of diversification? Well, I, I explained to them that Litecoin is the silver to Bitcoin's gold. And I sent them to read the Bitcoin standard where Saifedean explains how silver no longer has any monetary value. Uh, and that's what happens. Like the, the ultimate price of silver would be uh, like copper. It's going to be its uh, industrial properties. And that's where it ends. Because with technology, once gold was able to scale to micropayments, it was over for silver as a monetary asset. Uh, gold is now going up. Uh, you know, uh, like uh, silver is also going up a little bit faster, but the ratio of, you know, the value of silver to gold uh, has hit 100x. Like gold was at 100x, the value of silver, uh, probably like an all-time high. And that ratio is going to continue to rise. I'll just try to explain to people that you are just inflation on top of Bitcoin. You're making a bet that Lightning will not scale Bitcoin. That is the bet that the Litecoin people are making. And it's a very dangerous bet. You're basically betting against the smartest programmers in the world that they're not going to achieve what is currently growing exponentially in size already. Like, it's a dangerous bet. You know, there's always an outlier, right? There's always an Einstein. You know, there's always a Steve Jobs and... Uh, uh, and a Zuckerberg and uh, Bill Gates, you know, uh, these people that dropped out of uh, uh, high school and college and went against, you know, the, the consensus of other smart people and they achieved something. But, uh, but these people are like one out of a billion, right? They're, they're not like, like just because you dropped out of high school doesn't mean you're going to be Bill Gates. 
right? But there is a Bill Gates who dropped out of high school. Like it doesn't necessarily work in reverse. And um, you're basically making a bet against the smartest people in the world. And uh, I want to know why you think that's going to happen, right? Like if your cousin uh, drops out of high school, it doesn't mean that he's going to be the next Steve Jobs. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. And uh, this is the bet that the Litecoin people made. And they're going to realize that this is a very dangerous bet. And if they're holding their life savings in Litecoin, it'll be a very expensive lesson for them. And they're learning it. I think a lot of these altcoins are, I mean, they're a little oversold for the short term, so they can certainly bounce a little bit. But at the next, you know, drop, that's it. They're going to go to like four or five year lows as Bitcoin potentially hitting all time highs. And that's when they're all going to mass exit because they'll eventually give up. Uh, one, one quick thing. Well, first of all, you said it's a loser's bet to bet on Litecoin. And as one of my slogans says, always bet on Bitcoin. But there are some finan large financial organizations that are going to get into the cryptocurrency space in theory and create all sorts of complicated funds with Bitcoin. From I mean, when I talked to Caitlin Long, she said she's expected um, for some of the top tier altcoins to be bought up also. Could this save some of them? Could, could uh, f funds be created, diversified funds that include Ethereum and Litecoin also, and this could kind of negate your scenario? Now, uh, this is where people get confused. You know, like this is uh, like smart money isn't necessarily smart money. They make a lot of dumb decisions. Yes. And uh, uh, don't, I mean, don't assume everyone on Wall Street, you know, gets perpetually rich. It's actually very, very difficult. And um, a lot of these funds lose money. Like your average hedge fund is going to fail, right? And uh, people that are going to make those bets, they're, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. And uh, I, I don't think so. I think that they're, they're going to be seeing through it. I mean, they do look at, you know, how it's performing. And again, where is the research and development? Where are the coders? Like uh, uh, I can name what? A dozen, probably 20 plus uh, Bitcoin core developers and uh, uh, who do you name like uh, look into your old coin go name some of these developers you really can't you know you'll come up with like what one or two names maybe and uh, like who's doing it and you don't even know if they're still working on it right uh, like there I don't know I, I see ways uh, just just you know looking at the entire cryptocurrency space I see ways of altcoins to come up with all sorts of gimmicks to stretch things out as long as possible because people don't know the basics behind Bitcoin. So they're always going to want to own the next Bitcoin. They don't realize that Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. I'm not saying, hey, you know me. I am not saying for people to diversify into all. Please do not buy altcoins. Do not take this as we say. But I, I think some of them will be able to stretch it out for a while. I mean, let's, let's, let's go into the future here. We're, it, we just had the 2024 halving. Will altcoins still be a thing after the 2024 Bitcoin happen? I mean, there might be some new ones, uh, but I think the current, um, I think the current ones are going to be done. Uh, there might be some new ones, right? It was, uh, again, I have to give credit to uh, Giacomo Zucco on this one. And he gave me a different perspective on a lot of these altcoins. Like, uh, New computer science uh, cryptography and new computer science ideas come out all the time. Like 
every six months, like another innovation in computer science occurs. But before Bitcoin, these were just interesting elements of computer science, right? So someone invented PGP, you know, like PGP encryption stands for pretty good privacy, right? Uh, like, like all of these computer science techniques come out all the time. But Satoshi found a way to create Bitcoin as money. And from that day, what happened was every new computer science thing, whether it's Mimblewimble or Monero's ring signatures or ZK snarks, you know, ZK snarks or ring signatures, wow, that's an interesting way of using encryption in computer science. And prior to Bitcoin, this would have been just an interesting way of doing computer science. But now, because of Satoshi, you're like, I will make money out of this. I'm going to monetize this line of code. And somehow, by magic, this will be the new world money. That's not how it works. So Satoshi created Bitcoin not because it, it was, you know, it's secure enough, it's fast enough, it's, uh, de it was decentralized enough. It grew organically to be money. And he actually saw that coming. But that doesn't mean that every new line of code of innovation in computer science now gets to be its own money. But this is how these people get to monetize their lives. Like ZK Snarks was just going to be an interesting form of encryption that somebody may be using in their projects. And then you have someone like Zuko come along and says, I want to be a millionaire on ZK Snarks and I will make money out of it. And you're going to, and I'm going to collect 20% of the mining reward. And now he's trying to come up with another fund. And uh, it's just totally ridiculous, right? It, it's all of these old coins. It's just a way for one guy to monetize a line of code. And, uh, and, it's, and it's a race to whoever does it first, right? When someone releases Mimblewimble, a new way of doing secure computer science, it's like, all right, who's gonna write the white paper first? Who's gonna try to monetize it? Who's gonna try to get paid for the, uh, off, off this line of code? And it's never gonna be money. It's never gonna get wide adoption. It's totally irrelevant. No one cares. Um, except, you know, the bag holders that buy into it that also want to get rich. And eventually all of this will fall apart because it just doesn't make any logical sense. It is, it is amazing, though, that Bitcoin created this new paradigm that allowed such things to happen. People who are computer scientists with cool ideas able to monetize their, their interesting uh, experiments thanks to Bitcoin. I mean, that's, that's one. Again, I, I believe in personal responsibility. Personal responsibility is a new counterculture. The reason, all the info is out there. If people want to yell and scream on Twitter and get into like, uh, get into emotional arguments and learn nothing from Twitter, then hey, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to buy into ridiculous altcoins. If they use Twitter as an educational tool, they're going to learn about Bitcoin and then they'll get into Bitcoin. So it, it's, it's the free market here. People want to make altcoins. I say go make altcoins. The information is out there. If you, if you want just to see fancy sets and graphics and not learn anything, then yeah, you're not going to learn anything and you'll fall into these traps. And I, you, you've always you've tried to warn people for, for a very long time, Tom. You've called, you've called Ethereum. I can remember watching a show like when I was in Australia in January of, of 2016 
you just ripping on Ethereum that'll never be more than a dollar. I mean, you said a lot of things in that, but you, you cut it from a, a scam from the very beginning. Now, I think that word is very harsh, but um, I say just let people, let people learn on their own. I mean, you can only say it so many times, you know, say it once. And, but uh, I mean, you, you've gone on crusades against these things. I think it's, I think at times it's not a, a great use of, of everyone's time. And, and with the word scam, I think it's, I think the word scam is just lost all meaning at this point. What, what do you think about that? Or do, are you still a fan of uh Yeah, no, it, it, it kind of has a little bit, which is good because now I call everything a scam and some of these old coins are sending me like cease and desist letters. And I'm like, nope, I call everything a scam. That doesn't work for you. <laughs> yeah. So I was able to use it in reverse. Yes. Well, going, going back to the Ethereum thing, you're still uh, predicting a doom for them, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ethereum is so screwed. Uh, they, they, I mean, take they, into account marketing. I mean, they've got a marketing machine. They, they, yeah, they created ICOs. Uh, that, that's something they can always fall back on. People can believe that they'll, that they'll be able to build something on top of it that'll be comparable to ICOs in terms of getting people hyped up. I mean, they have this centralized figure, which has been turned into like a, a, a messiah-like figure. I, I think it could be stretched out for a, a, a long time, but it could be. Any- it could be. It could be stretched out, but they have so much competition now, right? You have Cardano, you have Tron, you have uh, uh, EOS. Uh, all this competition, and the, the, their biggest competition is going to be the Bitcoin's liquid sidechain, which can also do pretty much everything Ethereum can do. And a lot of projects, like there, A, there is a lot less ICOs coming out on top of Ethereum for two reasons. One, it's a regulatory concern. Two, people are realizing that they can't get, you know, all of these people to buy into their ICOs. So it's not that worth it. And C, they have other platforms to choose from, right? Um, and that's another thing. Like Bitcoin has no competition in what it does. But Ethereum has lots of competition in what it does. So yes, as long as they're creating their own money and paying themselves, it's great. They can still do marketing. They can still do all this tech. But eventually that's going to end, right? As the price of Ethereum continues to fall, not only against Bitcoin, but against the US dollar, eventually you have no money to do all that stuff. I mean, look at Bcash. Look at Bitcoin.com. Uh, in the last six months, they haven't been sponsoring anything. Like, like uh, you, 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 I don't know how many conferences you go to this time around. But like, they used to sponsor, you know, like an event in Mexico by someone that made up the Shemitah or whatever. They, they right. haven't been I mean, doing that. They used to sponsor a lot. I mean, they used to sponsor the blockchain cruises. They weren't, there was a, uh, nobody on this last blockchain cruise. They used to sponsor a lot. I heard they fired their whole marketing team. Like eventually you run out of money to promote this stuff, right? I mean, uh, yeah, you spend money on promotion of your product or service or business as long as it's bringing in money. But there's only so much promotion you can do for Bcash, which has lost money, uh, which is cheaper now than it was on its opening day, August 1st, two years ago, right? Like, like eventually, you know, how many billion, how much billions of dollars have they spent on Bcash and the value of Bcash today is less than when it was created. Well, how about this one gimmick that you alluded to beforehand as this as something that could revive some of these altcoins? Um, the, Ethereum wanted to use Bcash for empty space or extra space or whatever they wanted to do. The partnership of altcoins, the merging of altcoins, you see, and maybe not technically merging, but like marketing partnerships. 
I, I see this as a future here. I see, because again, you're right. They, they are, uh, certain ones are so centralized that they, they've lost a lot of money. And they, I, I, I mean, I see, I see ways of them stretching this out a really long time. Oh, of course. This is another reason why they're making partnerships. They want to be relevant again. They want to be in the news again. And again, they're going to absorb each other. They're going to eat each other. And eventually, uh, they're all going to start merge mining with Bitcoin. Like the only altcoins that could be considered borderline secure and not get destroyed by, you know, someone with better coding skills and, uh, and some extra money to burn, uh, they'll have to merge mine with Bitcoin. Those that started more merge mining with Bitcoin have been the secure ones. It's really hard to 51% attack those. Let's talk real quick. We mentioned gold before. Is Bitcoin living gold's dream? And what is your advice to uh, gold bugs? Uh, my advice to gold bugs is to seriously think about uh, the value proposition of Bitcoin. Uh, because Bitcoin can outcompete gold. Uh, yes, Bitcoin is dependent on the internet, but gold has a major problem. How do you transact in gold? You need a centralized entity. Like you can't transact in gold without a centralized entity. And unless you think that governments are just going to disappear overnight, that centralized entity is going to be the government. And uh, while this was the best option, uh, you know, prior to Bitcoin, you didn't really have a choice. But now you have something that is scarce, just like gold, but it has these properties of not needing a centralized government middleman to transact. And I don't understand why more gold bugs can't see why this is so, so important. The unconfiscatability feature, so, so important. Censorship resistance is that, you know, the removal of a central entity. I mean, that's the really, really important stuff. And you try to really explain it to someone like Peter Schiff, and they just don't want to listen. Perhaps it's because they're just too invested in their gold companies, right? Like um, uh, some of the gold bugs, they just need to be a little more, uh, like step back a little bit from uh, their personal uh, investments in it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good advice for the, uh, the gold bugs out there. All right, we're getting close to the end of the show. Here are some fun topics. Adam Kalnacki, do you know that guy, the boxer? The, there's a Polish boxer from New York. Have you heard about him? I mean, you're from New York. I would. Uh, I, no, I, I, I don't. I, I used to follow the boxing scene a lot, uh, but uh, there was one fight that kind of so pissed me off that I almost that I pretty much stopped watching boxing. So those of you that are boxing fans, uh, when I watched Pacquiao lose a decision to Timothy Bradley Jr., I never wanted to watch boxing again. I thought that was like one of the worst boxing decisions ever. Uh, this fight was like five years ago. Um, I actually watched like two or three fights in the last five years. One of them was the recent Pacquiao fight uh, where he uh, beat like a 21-year-old. So as a 40-year-old, so that was great. Uh, no, so what about him? Yeah, he's from, he's like the white George Foreman and he, he's going to get a heavyweight title shot and he, he tweets about Bitcoin, this guy. You got Adam Kawanat. I can't, he's got a Polish last name. I mean, he's got it. He came from Poland. He grew up in Brooklyn. So, I mean, you came from Russia. You grew up. Adam, how do you spell it? How do you spell his last name? K? K-O-W-N-A-C-K-I. Adam, he is a bit, this, so, I mean, for me, if this guy really gets his heavyweight title shot, it'll be good for Bitcoin. He's tweeting about Bitcoin all the time. You see him? You see, you see what he looks like? I see him. I see him. I'm going to follow him. He's a white George Foreman. You got to get, 
dude, get this guy on your show or something like that. Um, he, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm gonna follow him on Twitter. He's not following me, but I'll follow him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get, learn about this guy because I know you've been traveling around and stuff. And I got, I got a question about that. Someone told me, are you gonna come to Tel Aviv in September? Or is that just a rumor? Or? Uh, you know, I was going to come to Tel Aviv and uh, to attend the Scaling Bitcoin Conference. It was on my list. Uh, but you can't just come to Tel Aviv for like one or two days. And, uh, and right before the Tel Aviv conference, another conference came up in Washington, D.C. that I just couldn't pass up a speaking opportunity on. That is the Black Blockchain Summit at Howard University. Awesome. And it, it's, uh, it was just like interesting. I'm like, hey, there is a traditionally black university. There is a uh, conference coming up. Uh, it's it just, it's weird. And, uh, uh, I like, like to see that now, like, you know what, if they want me to speak on stage, that's a new audience for me. Um, I'm going to take that speaking gig. Uh, I would love to hang out with all the developers at, uh, in Tel Aviv. I could have still made it to Tel Aviv, but it would have been for like two days. And then I have to go to Latvia for honey badger. And I've decided to save Tel Aviv for another time where I can actually spend like a whole week in Israel. Yeah, man, because it is the Bitcoin community. I, I'm here for a couple months and the, the Tel Aviv Bitcoin embassy, every Sunday it's rocking. You can walk in there anytime. You know Udi and everything. So uh, you, a lot of people know you're here and everything. You, how, how, how long have you been there? Uh, I've, been, I've been here since uh, the beginning of July or the middle of July. But I, do, I did not know about the, uh, the Howard event. Um, that is a great event that you're speaking at because there's so much FUD around Bitcoin. We've heard this since 2015. Oh, it's just for white guys. Oh, it's just, it's, it's racist or whatever. And they, people have to get past that, that anyone can get into Bitcoin. And there were probably black people back in 2015 who were turned off. Oh, I don't want to be in it because of the, the people, that was bad. That, when you hear people calling it rape, you want to get into it, okay? If they, they're saying it's exclusive. But it's it's anyone can get into it, they get into it. So I'm glad you will be getting rid of the, the white man's FUD or whatever. What I can only imagine what certain minorities think about this. Because some there are articles out there, you've seen them all. We need to get more women into Bitcoin. We need to get this, that, that. Go like, no, Bitcoin doesn't care who's in it. Let the best get in it, let the proactive people get into it. That's what I yeah, and uh, Max Kaiser, I think, is speaking there as well. So it should be a lot of fun. Oh God, that's uh, yeah, I, I got a different, I, my memory is very long and you don't, I don't know. Do you still talk about his days in Max coin? You seem to have forgotten that. I, I mean, I re <laughs> look, I, re I remember Max coin, right? But Max coin came at a time when it was cool and fun to just create these old coins. And that was a very different time. Uh, it was just like, again, those were the days of creating Dogecoin. And uh, that was very different, right? Like, by now, you know that creating an old coin is bad. You are basically, like in my view, scamming people because now we have so much more information and we know that it's a bad idea to create these old coins. But at that time, it was such a new thing and it was fun and cool, but it isn't anymore. You know, I wanna, I wanna ask you one, one last question about something that was in the news on crypto Twitter. Uh, first of all, the toxicity of crypto Twitter uh, this is my opinion. It doesn't matter. Who cares? The, the outside world, how many people in the cryptocurrency space even know about crypto Twitter? I mean, be big, big financial managers, they don't have time to go to crypto to, to know about all this nonsense. So they're all these guys trying to make, you know, attack names and stuff. So there was a tweet by Tai Zen who gave a shout out to, to you and me as being a long term. Uh, and then all of a sudden, 
all these guys are taking out so much anger on Tai Zen. Okay, it's not Tai Zen's fault that you bought altcoins, dudes. And Tai Zen has been around a long time, and he has never hid who he is. I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, he's uh, no. I <laughs> a person like Tai Zen. Uh, uh, Tai doesn't bother me at all. Like, yes, Tai. Uh, he has his own personal preferences, but Tai Zen, like myself, they teach trading. Like you can trade any assets that you like, um, just because Taizen, you know, uh, believed in. A, I think there was a tweet where people said that he bought up a bunch of uh, BSV, a bunch of cash, and some of the other ones. Yeah, I'm sure he learned his own lesson uh, by doing that. Uh, but Taizen, you know, he doesn't. Um, he wasn't like a B cash shill. He wasn't like telling everyone to get out of Bitcoin. Uh, and uh, Taizen believes in trading. Like he just wants to make more money trading, whether that money is in any other currency, whether it's in US dollars, whether it's in Bitcoin, whether it's in any other currency he can spend. So Taizen was never, like I never had a problem with Taizen and I, I, I hung out with him. Last time I saw him was in Thailand uh, when I was there. I hung out with him for like a day. I like Taizen. Yeah, this, and people, something that you said, Taizen is a trader. He was a trader. He is a trader. He always will be a trader. So don't, don't get emotional when he, he talks about a certain coin. He's ripped on Bitcoin and stuff. He's talked about being cash. He's not a Bitcoiner. He's not a Bitcoin. And he has never hidden that. And again, if, if people don't like it, they should just not. I think a lot of people are angry because they, they, when they're on crypto Twitter or whatever, they see someone mention something, they think they've got insider information. So they buy it and then they lose. I mean, a lot of people blame, a lot of people, there's so much hate directed at you. And I tell people, I'm like, he didn't make you do it. He, you did it. There's so much learning opportunity. If you made a mistake, learn from it. Don't blame. I mean, what do you think about the scapegoaters that are out there? It seems like, uh, it's just unbelievable, the scapegoat. Yeah, I mean, I've been very clear. I've always told people, look, Bitcoin is too unpredictable. You always got to have a hodling position. By the way, did you ever get a bunch of people to commit to like locking up 10 Bitcoin till 2024? Oh, you remember that idea of mine. Oh my God. Um, Tor in Los Angeles really liked that idea, I remember. And I'm still friends with him. But uh, no, I, 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 that was from 2016, that idea. It was some strong hand. It was just to show, to, to inspire other people to be strong hands. But uh, no, I never, I never went through with that. And then I, I think now people are so paranoid about being anonymous and whatever, it would, it would never really catch on. But again, you... Me, a lot of people have been saying since the very beginning, just, it is too complex. Just hold it. Just even, even Tai Zen says that. He's like, trading isn't for everybody. Just hold it. Hold Bitcoin. You'll be fine, whatever. But, but I mean, I, I try to help people that are trading, but you got to see the difference between, you know, trading and holding a core position. And uh, this is one of the reasons why I recently taught a workshop. It's available as a webinar. And uh, on, uh, uh, you know, you want to, you want to only trade with like 10% of your capital. And then from that trading pool of 10% of your capital, you only want to put 10% on any position. And if that position is down 20%, you got to get out uh, no matter what. So uh, you, you really, if you're going to trade, it's like going to a casino. It's like how much money, how much of your life savings are you going to bring to Las Vegas is the real question, right? And those that bring too much, you know, you see what happens to them. Yes, yes, people. 
Uh, I say don't trade people. But again, I can't stop people. People want to learn from you. That's fine. That's let, let them, people are always going to want to gamble. That is the nature of man, it seems like. Um, it takes some conviction and it really, it, it takes some strength to be able to do nothing with your Bitcoin. All right, final words. What do you have to say? Anything I left out? Uh, any promos, uh, your next events, anything you want to say? Yeah, so um, you can find me all over the internet as Tone Vase. It's uh, Tone Vase on YouTube, Tone Vase on Twitter, and ToneVase.com. Uh, on my website, ToneVase.com, there is a section for conferences. I have done two conferences this year already. They will both come back for next year. One is called Unconfiscatable, that's in Las Vegas. Uh, one is called Understanding Bitcoin, which is a little more developer focused in Malta. And I'm trying to put on an event in Bali for traders. That's going to happen this October. That's called uh, thefinancialsummit.com. Uh, go ahead and check that out. That one is a lot pricier than the other ones because it's only for about 20 people. And it's for uh, traders and investors and some hedge funds uh, for people to get together and network and learn new stuff from their uh, peers. Okay, that is the show. Thank you very much, Tone Vase. I think the biggest thing that came out of this show, by the way, is that you, did, you weren't familiar with the boxer, Adam Kalanaki. I really think you, you should be in motion now and partner up with him in some way. I see big things coming from this, man. I really, I think that is what this show will be remembered for, that I introduced you to the concept of this white George Foreman dude who loves Bitcoin. And I think it, it can come together. Tone Vase and Adam, the New York the New York connection, Adam Kalnacki, I cannot, I, the pronunciation, I'm really messing it up, people. Sorry, but I can't pronounce Polish last name. So let's no, see. I think, I, I, think it's, I think it sounds right. But yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah, let's, if people watching this in the future, maybe you'll see like, oh, Adam is the champion of the world now and Tone is his manager. Who knows what's going on? <laughs> All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. It was a great This Week in Bitcoin. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister, Digital Meister. Remember to subscribe to the channel, like this video, share this video, check out the links below. Remember a new show here every day and every Friday we do This Week in Bitcoin. Everybody, Shabbat Shalom. I will see you later. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tone.